0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, West as we are taping this episode, the 2021 NFL Draft is just two. Count them, two. Days away. Are you ready for this, my friend? Oh
1: yeah, I've been, I've been ready for it for two months. Uh, no, I mean it, it's going to be fun. I, I'm personally very excited about this, Mike. I mean, last year was probably the most anxiety ridden uh, time I've ever had covering a draft. This will be draft number twelve for me, believe it or not. Okay. Twelve straight drafts uh, that I've covered. But last year, you were doing it out of your house. I was doing it up in my my bonus room. Uh, hoping that the Wi-Fi was going to stay connected as I was interviewing Jordan Love. Uh, and it's, it is a blessing to be back at Lambeau Field. It still won't be quite the same. We're not going to be in the auditorium. Everything will still be over Zoom and done virtually. But all things considered, uh, I'm very happy with where we are today as opposed to last April.
0: Yeah, and you and I will actually be able to maybe talk to each other during the draft instead of sending Slack messages to one another for three days as far as how we're supposed to cover this and take care of all of the, the coverage <laughs> on the website. But I want to spend today previewing the draft a little bit. We'll throw some questions back and forth, uh, just banter a little bit about some of the things that... Uh, that we hear and talk about a lot at this particular time. Quickly, though, a shout-out to our sponsor, Sirius XM NFL Radio, delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. All right, Wes, the Packers enter the 2021 draft with 10 selections, one in each of the seven rounds, plus an extra in the 4th, 5th, and 6th. In those three rounds, the Packers will actually be taking, if they stay put, will be taking two picks, about five to seven picks apart in each, each of those three rounds in that range. So my first question today, going in with 10 picks, do the Packers come out of this draft with 10 picks or more than that or less than that?
1: Well, first off, they're going to trade one of the fourth-rounders. That's just a that's a given. That's just the way this is. <laughs> that's the auto,
0: That's the automatic. <laughs> Take that one to the you know, bank. That's going to yeah. happen
1: at some point. Uh, I have said for a long time, I think they will take a lot of players in this draft. I could see them moving up on day one or day two. That has been what they've done specifically in the first round in basically each of the last three years, they made some kind of move, Right. but I still think they're going to end up taking nine or 10 players. So to answer your question, either it'll be a push or it'll be just under that. I, I just feel like, you know, they weren't able to do a lot with free agency this year. They, they brought back some of their own guys, they took care of Aaron Jones, which was a must. As Brian Gutekunst said in his pre-draft presser on Monday, they got, in their feeling, the, the number one running back on the market, left tackle on the market, and defensive tackle on the market. When you look at the extensions they did in season with David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark, and then obviously re-signing Aaron Jones, that right. doesn't leave a lot for you to do in free agency, but yet they still were able to get Kevin King back. They got, uh, you know, Mercedes Lewis. But the question here is I think you have to create depth and they have 10 picks to do it, and they have to be able to get some guys on the shelves here. That's been my contention. I don't know where players are going to go, but I feel like offensive line, receiver, cornerback, you need to find more bodies at these positions, and making those picks will be a good way to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to say that the Packers are going to come out of this draft with 10 picks, but I say that because, not because I think, Brian Gutekunst is going to sit and pick at all 10 spots, which actually, I don't remember what the number was. There was one year that Ted Thompson actually sat and picked at every spot. He didn't make a single trade. I can't remember. That might have been been what it was. I can't remember for sure. I'd have to look back. There was one year. But I think Gutekunst is going to make multiple trades here. There's going to be a trade up at some point. There's going to be a trade down at some point. I think eventually... As far as the number of picks, the trades are going to cancel each other out, and the Packers are are going to come out of this draft with ten picks. I think, I don't, I don't see Brian Gudikunst making some huge sacrifices, and then only coming out of this draft with seven or eight picks for the exact reason that you said, the Packers don't have any glaring holes. As Gudikunst said on Monday, there aren't any glaring holes in the starting lineup where. If the Packers had to play a game this weekend, they wouldn't be able to play because right. they don't have somebody. The, the roster is built with all the players they brought back. The roster is the roster is built to go ahead and play a game tomorrow, right? But you look at where things sit as far as the future with regard to the defensive line, the cornerback position, offensive tackle, uh, wide receiver. You know, all all of those things. I do think there there is the need to build depth at certain spots and to plan for the future at multiple spots here because of because of some veteran guys whose uh whose contract situations will right. be in the mix here in the next uh you know twelve to twenty four months. Two
1: thousand fourteen was the draft. Twenty
0: fourteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen.
1: Okay. They had the comp picks where they ended up getting Richard Rodgers and Jared Iberdaris and then they also had their normal seven picks that they ended up selecting, which actually if you go back and look at it, that was a pretty darn good draft. That was you got a darn good draft. An in all pro in Ha huh, Clinton Dix that filled the need for many years. You know, arguably the best receiver in the game right now, Devontae Adams, and then uh, legitimately the number one center in the game in Corey Lindsay uh, last season.
0: Yeah, Richard Rogers, uh, Mr. Hail Mary, yeah. um, picked in the third round of that draft. That I just remember that being so unusual that after all those three days, it was like Ted Thompson didn't make a trade. He I think they he even joked
1: win. about that in the, pre- in the yeah, presser with him yeah, afterwards was, because was, that was after. 2013, where they had all these, you know, that was the year they had like 12 picks or whatever. I mean, they'd, they'd really been accruing quite a bit. Yeah. And then uh, they just sort of stabbed Pat. But that's the fun part of this process, right? I mean, Brian Gutekunst talked about it. I mean, this draft, you never know how the dominoes are going to fall. You're never going to know what kind of trades present themselves and the opportunities are there. And as you wrote in our five things story on Monday, you know, you have to be just true to yourself, not overspend. Be mindful, use your process, and and trust it. And that's what the Packers plan to do with this opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, that brings me to my next question here. In the first round, the Packers currently own the number 29 overall pick. So we all know that it's going to depend on how the board falls, right? But we'll throw the question out anyway. Do you predict... Gutekunst will sit and pick at 29? Will he trade up from 29? Will he trade back from 29? I think he trades up.
1: I do. I I don't know how many spots. Maybe it's like last year was only, what, four spots? Four spots They moved up to get Jordan Love. Uh, But the reason I say that is because I think there's going to be some really talented players that fall into the early 20s, but maybe aren't necessarily there at 29. And players that are basically singular at their position, right? Like, unless there's a tackle that you and I don't know about that's climbing the scouts draft boards, it Basically, it looks like Tevin Jenkins is the guy in the 20s if you want to tackle. Uh, Now, there are some medical things that have come up. You know, Caleb Farley, you've seen his information now. You know, a couple questions about some lingering nerve issues and that. Could he be there now in the later first rounds after I think a lot of people months ago projected him to possibly be the first cornerback off the board? Those are the questions that have to solve themselves, but I think once you get to number 20... There's going to be some really intriguing players there, and I just wonder with the equity that the Packers have with having those two fourth-round picks, is that give you an opportunity to maybe go up and find somebody?
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting how Gutekunst talked about that on Monday, that when you're sitting there at 29 and you've spent months as a personnel guy, you've spent an entire year yeah. studying all of these players, you know, you're... You're ranking them, you're evaluating them, you're projecting all of these top players into you know how would they how would they fit your team and what could they do for your team and help you out, and then you have to sit there on Thursday night at 29 and watch all these guys fly off the board, you know that it becomes very very tempting to trade up, and it, it because you want to get one of those guys that you've been thinking about, you know that that you've projected into your team and you want to make sure you get that guy but there are two things the way i took Gudekun's comments he didn't lay it out necessarily as like you know a and b but there are two things that you you have to do in this process one you ha- you have to weigh the cost what is the cost of trading up and then two how special is the player is it just a player you really like or is it a player that you really think is special and is and is a difference maker? Those are the kinds of things that, you know, where it, it, it takes the discipline to sit back and go, okay, this isn't just a guy that I've fallen in love right. with. This is this is a guy who's a special player and the cost isn't too much to move up and get him. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised to go back to my original question. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers trade up. But the other scenario that I could see developing here is a trade back from 29 to somewhere in like the mid thirties where you pick up an extra selection, but then you use that extra selection, you know, third or fourth round, whatever it might be, to then move up from the bottom of the second round towards the middle of the second round. So instead of picking at 29 and 62, you end up taking two guys in the 35 to 50 range. That's something that I could definitely see evolving here, depending when you get into the mid twenties, And, you know, how strong does that board look? And if that board looks strong enough that Gutekunst feels he could get two really good players somewhere between the mid-30s to the mid-to-late 40s, then maybe that's the strategy he, you know, employs as far as his his first two picks. So, um, But, again, something that's very hard to predict in advance because you don't know who those first 20 guys, those first 25 guys, are going to be that come off the board. And it's something that, you know, the scouts, the personnel executives with GM Gutukuns, they play, th- they they mock a lot of scenarios. They go through a lot of scenarios. What are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if this happens? So that they can react in the moment. They've played out the scenario in their mind, and they've already explored some potential trade partners to move either up or down.
1: Yeah, and and you obviously had to read this this week, uh, editing inbox. But I used to be a pretty staunch believer in that moving back. You know, finding picks, finding opportunities. Um, because sometimes those players become Jordy Nelson, or in, although it wasn't entirely how that played out, but Casey Hayward—you know, guys that you find in the second round that maybe people slept on a little bit—that end up being Pro Bowl, All-Pro type players. I have shifted though, and I wrote about this in Insider Inbox this week. The fifth-year option has really changed me, and my the way I, I see it because. It is really a valuable tool. Now, the number of years their Packers went without really using the fifth-year option, if memory serves correct, I want to say, well, HaHa ha Clinton Dix would have been the first one that received it, I believe. Yes. In 2014, certainly, they did it again with Kenny Clark, and and now, as Brian Gutekunst said, in just a matter of time, it'll be before Jair Alexander gets that. That's a valuable tool because it allows you that extra year. You talk about the fifth-year fine but it gives you a bigger window to negotiate a contract with a guy, not just to work out the details of it, but it gives you something to build off of in terms of an extension, using that year to prorate funds. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a very enticing option. Now, at the beginning of this process, it was a lot of quarterbacks that teams did that with. Lamar Jackson, you think about Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy
0: Bridgewater being another one, yeah.
1: And, and that they looked at it as a quarterback thing. It really helps you. But now... As you're seeing guys like Jair Alexander break out and Kenny Clark break out, I just think it's such a valuable asset to be able to use. So for my money, even though if you look at a draft value chart, it'll tell you that moving back 10 spots isn't really that big of a deal. I do wonder how much in the long run that that really affects things.
0: Yeah, the one thing I will say, though, is that we're starting to see a shift with the fifth year option where it's not quite as team friendly as it used yep, to be. Sure. The those fifth year salaries are getting to be a lot more player friendly for guys who play a lot, earn Pro Bowl honors, those kinds of things. They're getting salaries that are much closer to like a franchise tag sure. type of salary, which in the earlier days of the fifth year option, those those uh those fifth year salaries weren't quite that high. So right. we are seeing a little bit of a shift there. But I do want to ask you also with regard to the first pick, okay, we talked about this a little bit on our last show, that whole planet theory about big guys, there's only so many, you know, that, uh, that the Lord puts on the planet. So with the first pick, whether it's at 29 or wherever it may be, do you see the Packers getting a big guy, offensive or defensive line, or do you think they end up selecting a different position?
1: I'm still going with offensive line. Okay. That's going to be my pick until the pick is made. And then after <laughs> it gets made, I'll go, why didn't I really think of that? Yeah. You know? um, here's the thing. You mentioned this, and it's a good – it's a salient point. Offensive, defensive line, getting a big guy, there's a lot of value there. Um, certainly there is a risk. Every pick's a risk. And you know? Nobody's yeah. given you know, a sure thing in the first round. I even made that remark in inbox this week. Aaron Donald may be the best defensive tackle who's ever played the game. He wasn't a lock. You know, back in 2013 or wherever he was drafted, he so, won.
0: He won every college, yeah. every major college defensive award his senior year at Pitt, his final season at Pitt, and then he still lasted till the 13th, 13th pick, pick, 13th pick of that draft in 2014. Because
1: his his tan intangibles didn't didn't really match up for people. But if you just had him take his shirt off and stand there, you'd be like, "Holy gosh!" I mean, this is an Adonis, you know. What I mean, <laughs> but people get so hung up on the measurables, and that's yeah. why. Brian Gutekun said, you need to kind of have that Mendoza line, sure, but then you got to adjust it if there's a player. So I, I I still am leaning towards offensive line, but you start to think about it, Mike. Cornerback, if there's one that's enticing there that you want to take a shot at. And honestly, I'm going against everything I've said, but you think about receivers too. And if there is a guy that makes sense for them that late, whether it is Bateman out of Minnesota or whether maybe they cover their eyes a little bit and go with an Elijah Moore, there are guys at all these positions that I think could be real game changers for them. It hasn't always been like this. There's been many years where the Packers have picked 28 and beyond where I've kind of been like, well, who's going to fall to them? Last year was sort of one of those years, too. This year, I really think there's a number of guys that, that meet that need, but also the long-term investment that the Packers look for.
0: Yeah, I, I've decided... I don't know if
1: I answered your question.
0: No, that, that's okay, because I'm not sure I'm going to answer it either. I, you know, these last these last couple years... I've kind of decided that just nothing is going to surprise me in the first <laughs> yeah. round with Brian Gutekunst anymore because I I do I think I do think if there is if there is a top-notch offensive tackle or interior defensive lineman who's there at 29 or maybe is there at 26 or 25 and and you know he makes the move to go up I I still think the most likely pick is a big guy but certainly a cornerback would not surprise me and even even though, as we talked about before, the Packers haven't used a first round pick on a receiver since 2002. They haven't used a first round pick on an inside linebacker since 2006. Those wouldn't necessarily surprise me either. I mean, you know, th- this, you know, Jamin Davis from Kentucky inside linebacker. I know a lot of people asking about Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre God Dame. God bless you. But, uh, um, but you know, a lot of stuff that I'm seeing says no way that that Coramoa is there at twenty-nine, that he's he's going to he's going to go off the board much earlier than that. But you mentioned the wide receivers. You have you have Bateman, you have Terrace Marshall from LSU, you have Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony, the smaller slot, you know, shiftier guys. Honestly, I just I, I don't know if I'd be surprised by I don't know if I'd be surprised by anything at this point. We, we don't know what the board looks like. Brian we're sitting here talking about big guys, right? Offensive and defensive lineman. Maybe Brian Gutekunst feels like, you know, he's got his eye on the next, you know, Mike Daniels yeah. in the fourth round that he knows he can go get this defensive lineman there. You know, he can get he can get uh, you know, the next Chad Clifton in the second round on That's the true. offensive line, you know, long time left tackle for the Packers who was drafted, I believe, forty four overall in the middle of the second round so um, but that leads to uh, to my next couple of questions no wide receivers or defensive linemen for the Packers in the draft last year which which were surprises I think to a lot of people including us where do you think because I don't think they're going to go through this draft and not take another wide receiver again or not take another defensive lineman again but where do you think maybe those picks fall for the Packers?
1: So let me say this. If the Packers do go with my original plan, which would be an offensive tackle in the first round, or if, if Jenkins is there, then I think it makes a lot of sense to go receiver in the second round because you're gonna f- somebody's going to fall there. And, and maybe if you move around or you move up a little bit, maybe you can get one of those top flight guys that were seen as potential first rounders that slide a little bit. If you go that direction, though, then it leads to the ultimate question either if you get to the third round and you don't have a cornerback or a defensive lineman, you're starting to fall into the same thing that happened last year, where now you have two perceived positions of need that have yet to be addressed. I just feel like, I don't know how all the dominoes fall. I feel like those four positions somewhere in those first five or six picks, the Packers have to address, address those. I just feel like, that's not necessarily saying that they need a guy to come in and start right away, but again, as I've repeated over and over again, if the Packers would not take a receiver in this draft, that would be the first time in franchise history that they haven't taken a re- wide receiver since that designation became a thing in a, in three consecutive drafts. It hasn't happened. Yeah. In defensive line, Mike, you just talked about, I believe it was 26 years they went with at least one defensive lineman um, that is going to be playing You know, in that defensive trench. Uh, obviously Jonathan Garvin was an end that then went to outside linebacker. So for that reason, I I just feel like receiver makes a lot of sense potentially in the second round, especially when you factor in the rich history that green Bay has there.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of people, obviously offensively for the Packers, they're asking, okay, where are they going to get the next offensive tackle? If you're going to find the next Brian Balaga, the next David Bakhtiari, whatever in this draft, but then also, what are you going to do about wide receiver? What, you know, how this thing falls, you, you just don't know where it, where's the wrench going to be thrown into it. Because, as we talked about on our last show, Christian Barmore from Alabama, Levi Onwuzurike from Washington, are the only defensive linemen really being talked about as first round selections. If one of those guys is there at 29 or you know in that range, and Gudakun says, okay, this is the move we're going to make, we're going to we're going to take one of these top defensive linemen here. Then, you know, how do the rest of the dominoes fall to, uh, to address these positions of need? And I do have to correct myself on one thing. I believe I said in our last show, and I might have said in Inbox, that Five years ago, the Packers got Kenny Clark at twenty-six. He was actually twenty-seventh overall. Wow, that's a heck of a correction. Twenty-sixteen. So, sorry, I just. I actually, I thought he
1: was twenty-six too. No, it's.
0: it's, I I double-checked in the media guide. It is actually twenty-seventh. So, if I've uh, if I've been saying that wrong, I apologize. But my point being that, like I said on our last show, the the track record for getting defensive linemen late in the first round and having those guys work out is not good. I mean Kenny Clark is as sort of the exception not the yeah. rule in terms of drafting a guy late in the first round. So that to me, you know, where you get where you find a defensive lineman in this draft to add to the mix with Clark and Kiki and Lowry and Lancaster and those guys. Where you find that guy to me is is sort of a key domino in this whole thing because that's being talked about as a position that is so thin. Uh, overall as far as the prospects in this draft.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's such an interesting situation with defensive linemen because, as you said, there are no real sure things at the end of the first round, but you look at the Packers' track record there in the third round too, hasn't been great. You know, it's it's been difficult to find guys there. Now, it's not impossible. Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry fourth-rounders, yep. Kingsley Kiki, looks like he's going to be a really good rotational hand here and potentially a starting-type caliber player. He was a fifth-rounder. There are opportunities there to find those players, but if you get out of the first round, it tends to be a little bit more of a toss up. So it's the question every GM asks this time of the year, ex- with the exception of maybe John Snyder, who I think has two draft picks this year. But for most <laughs> teams that have, and I love you, John, uh, most teams that have all this, you know, the, this capital, how do you allocate it? Because no matter what, when Saturday night comes, Mike, I'm promising you already, there is going to be a question addressed to Brian Gudekunst. You guys didn't address position X, right? And that's not a knock on the media. It's just that there's sometimes it's just it you can't address everything in yeah. these drafts. And
0: it and it, it happens it happens every year because and and that's you know that's why Koons, this personnel staff they don't go they don't go into a draft focused on certain positions. They 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 build their board, and you don't go like oh you know in the fourth round it's not like oh we haven't addressed you know inside linebacker yet so we have to take the best linebacker on the board in the fourth round no if there are other players on the board that are ranked higher those are the players that they're going to look at more seriously they're not going to just focus on a specific position because they didn't address it because if that were the approach they would have taken a wide receiver last year they would have taken a defensive lineman last year they proved how they how they go about this so one last question I'll throw at you before we go the Packers need a third quarterback right? Yep. So do you expect a late round draft pick to be used on a quarterback or do you think they go the undrafted free agent route, sign somebody, sign a rookie after the draft a la the Tim Boyle acquisition from a few years ago?
1: I'm going to make, I'm going to go one step further for you. I'm going to say they'll use the Kyler Fackrell compensatory pick in the sixth round to get a quarterback.
0: Sixth round. That's my okay. position. Okay. I do
1: think they draft one. Okay. Um, and and I'll, I'll give you a reason for that. I, Brian Goodkin said last year when they took Jordan Love that they want to be in that business like Ron Wolf was in that business of using capital, finding good young quarterbacks and developing them in the system. Now, they used a little bit higher pick on Love than than Wolf did, but if you look at the track record there, Brunel, Brooks, Detmer... Uh, certainly Hasselbeck Hasselbeck. there are some incredible talented players that the Packers developed and then were able to trade down the line I think they want to get back into that business but it has to make sense for them you're not just going to take a quarterback to take a quarterback Uh, if they go to the undrafted route They have a pretty darn good recent history of that as well now when you look at Taysom Hill and Tim Boyle. So uh, a lot of chips on the table. But one way or another, I'm not saying the guy's going to be on the 53. Who knows how all that will shuffle out. But they have to get another quarterback in the system. You have to have a third one, especially in the age of COVID. You have to have another guy ready because you saw last year that it really can have a detrimental effect to a football team if you're caught with, with, for lack of a better expression, your pants down.
0: (laughs) I... I just, I have a feeling it's going to be another undrafted guy. I think, the, I think they've got their eye on the next Tim Boyle that they're going to bring in here. But that being said, if it is a, if it is a draft pick, I don't think it's prior to the sixth round. I think the sixth round would be the earliest yep. that they would use a, a, a draft pick and on hey, a third quarterback.
1: Brian, if you're listening, if you want some advice, those 6 round picks, you want to make some moves there. You know, toss those off. Maybe throw a seventh rounder in a trade to the New England Patriots. You'll never hear a complaint out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Always happy to you know make that a shorter Saturday night if possible. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say Saturday ends up being uh, quite the uh, quite the busy day. Do you remember thirteen?
1: You remember the thirteen draft? Oh yes. Were they? What did the they have 13. three seventh round picks that year? Longest night of my life.
0: The one the one I remember more than any other was two thousand and seven because I was all by myself, like and oh, I don't God. remember exact. I don't can't even remember exactly how many picks it was, but. Um, here, I, uh, hold on two seconds. Stall uh, for me. It was eleven picks, Mike. Eleven eleven picks, and I was uh I was all by myself to cover every single guy on the website that year. So Fortunately bless, you just had to God deal bless with just Tom Fanning showed up in two thousand and eight to uh to oh. help me out a little bit.
1: Man, and then you got a kicker in the sixth round. That was a rough year for you. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah, there on were that draft
0: that, yeah, two thousand and seven was the uh three consecutive picks in the sixth round where they drafted <laughs> Mason Crosby, Desmond Bishop, and Corey Hall—I Hall. believe so. Um, and then you well, had
1: just enough time to regroup for Deshaun Win in the seventh.
0: Yes, the running back from Florida. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Well, I tell you what, Weston. The first big chunk of the off season, we made it. We survived it. The, dra- yeah. the, the draft is here, right? It's this here, is, buddy. This is what everything from the end of the season, whenever it does end. Um, this is the, these three days. This. These are the biggest three days of the off season. These scouts, these personnel executives, they spend 362 days of their lives every year to build up to these three, and uh, it's you know it, it's an exciting time. Lots yeah. of new guys coming in the fold,
1: and just you know it is. It's I mean, it is not like your fantasy football league, but it isn't. You know, it is all that work, all that prep, and it is just minute by minute, life changes. You know, for everybody involved. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's one thing that always hits home with me during this, you know, the recruiting process, guys commit to colleges, there's always time to figure out what you want to do or to decommit or recommit. In a matter of 15 minutes on Thursday night, round by, or pick by pick, fortunes are going to change. Human being, the direction of human beings' lives go in different, you know, areas teams and the franchises, there was that line that was brought up. I I wish I could attribute it to the right guy. I think Rob Domofsky might have had someone who said it. You look at that board and there's all those names up there and inevitably, with a few exceptions, there's Hall of Famers abound. Mm -hmm. There's pro bowlers and all pros, but there's no cheat sheet to tell you which guys are which. You have to do your research, you have to prepare, and you also have to get a little lucky as well. And mm-hmm. that's the the game that will be played over three days here. And I cannot wait for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we will recap all of the picks and the happenings and everything next week when we are back with our ensuing shows. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. And be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, everything going on with the 2021 NFL Draft. We will have it for you. Stories, videos, reactions insider inbox questions you name it it'll be there for you on packers.com for wes i'm mike thank you for tuning in everybody see you next time